0: Welcome to Global Data Pod Research Wrap. I'm Nora Santivani and joining me today is Dan Silver from the US economics team. Hey Dan, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, Nora, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, thank you. So today we're here to talk about US uh, core inflation uh, we're going to be focusing on the sort of next six-month outlook, but we'll try and comment a little bit further out as well if we can. Uh, I know there's been a lot of focus on this topic. Uh, I, for one, have been talking much more about the core PCI, core PC CPI wedge than I would like to. <laughs> and we're, you know, we're we're at a point now in the the U.S. but also globally where we have seen a lot of progress over the past year. Uh, with respect to getting inflation down, uh, but there's also a sense that a lot of the easy or immaculate decline in inflation, as, as we put it, may be behind us and, you know, globally, we see uh, goods price deflation coming to an end uh, services inflation still looks generally quite sticky labor markets are tight. Uh, And then in the U.S., Dan, we have this uh, complicating matter uh, where we're also getting some conflicting signals from these various inflation measures about how close we are to target. As I mentioned, um, uh, quite different indications from uh, the PC and the CPI in in particular, and and, and a quite large gap there has has opened up. So, you know, from here, it will be quite critical to know you know where where these various measures are going, where we settle, and you know it's going to be probably quite important for uh, the Fed and other DM policymakers as they ponder the optimal start of their easing cycles and the size of their easing cycles. So, Dan, you've you've helpfully written a research piece uh, laying out the view for the U.S. So, if maybe first of all, you want to just talk us through high level what you're seeing with respect to U.S. core inflation developments and how much disinflation do you think there's in store for the first half?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I think as you mentioned, there's a lot of moving pieces and it's complicated by the the different measures that we track, but, you know, very broadly, we go back over the past few years, we had a very booming inflation in the U.S. and also in, in many other places. And, you know, it looks clear that, that that boom is now behind us and we're seeing, you know, the broad trends in basically every trend or underlying measure that we track move down. And there's definitely been... You know some wiggles along the way and some some noise and conflicting signals in time. but you know it looks like that that really robust run for inflation is now behind us. And we think we're going to continue to see this moderating trend over time, um, particularly uh, if we get the weakening in the economy, uh, which we expect for both GDP growth and the labor market, um, we think that could go you know a long way in terms of bringing inflation down. So you know our view is that we're going to continue to see moderation over time again, with a lot of kind of ups and downs on the way. Um, maybe a, another more interesting question or a more challenging question is: you know, can we get that moderation if we don't get weakening in the labor market, um, like we expect? And you know, I think that the jury is is out on that, and we'll need to track that over time. But you know, broadly speaking, we expect moderation to continue, and you know, a lot of that is contingent on the idea that the economy is going to be weakening going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting uh, that that you say that. You know, this this question of how much uh, weakening in the labor market do we need? I mean, there's a school of thought that You know uh, that we uh, ascribe to that we we do need to see some weakening in the labor market to get inflation all the way down to two percent, but there's also school of thought that says that the Fed doesn't actually need to see any further progress on um, disinflation to start easing. So there's a lot of moving parts here, and obviously, what matters to some extent is which inflation measure are they looking at, right? So maybe we can we can start by just giving an overview of the well the two main measures that uh, we and I guess the Fed is also focusing on. Uh, the PC and the CPI. Do you want to talk us through where those measures are running and um, maybe talk a little bit about the gap and how you see that going forward?
1: Yeah, so the, you know, as I mentioned, kind of broadly speaking, both of these are moderating, but definitely the the messages over the past three to six months have been, I guess, substantially different or at least, you know, noticeably different here. Um, Where the PC numbers, core PC inflation and both headline PC inflation as well, uh, it's basically been running at 2%, so at the Fed's target over the past, uh, you know, two quarters, second half of last year. So uh, I guess pretty favorable readings there, Uh, you know, again, pretty close to target. The core CPI numbers have been a lot firmer. Um, They usually run firmer, but even kind of accounting for that normal difference, um, they're still looking, I guess, I would call it clearly above trend or above target. Uh, The core CPI was up 3.4% uh, in an annualized rate in the, um, in the fourth quarter of last year. So, you know, maybe you'd think normal gap is two or three tenths between those. So if you kind of shifted down two or three tenths, it's close to 3%, which is, uh, you know, on a PCE basis, uh, you know, still well above 2% target. So, yeah, I think you kind of get different messages here if you're just looking at the PCE numbers, mm-hmm. looking at this and saying things are pretty good. This is where, you know, the Fed wants inflation to be. If you're looking just at the CPI numbers, um, you you know, you'd say, well, they want to see more cooling. They want to see more moderation before they feel like things are at target. And you know, one idea is, well, you should look at both of them and say the, the truth is somewhere between them. And I think that's often how mm. we think about things and saying you kind of get different signals at different times, but um, they're both useful. Um, but when we think about what what Powell was saying last week at the Fed meeting, um, you know, he was basically saying that PCE is most important and maybe only important, the only important mm-hmm. one here. Um, and you know, we very easily could have imagined him saying, "Well, PCE inflation has looked good, but CPI is giving us, yeah, you know, some some pause here and some some re- uh, reasons to wait." But he basically said, "Well, PCE is where we want it to be, and we just want to keep getting it at, at that level, and we'll be happy." Um, so I think that was that was a bit of a surprise. Um, and how they are thinking, you know, more exclusively uh, on PC inflation and and really ignoring the CPI numbers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it feels like he could have. Uh given us so many different reasons not to not to have that you know dovish dovish pivot that uh, they could have focused as you say on the stickiness in core cpi tightness of the labor market but yeah they are choosing clearly to focus uh specifically on the the downward move in the pc and the core pc um, in particular so at the very least i think uh it matters where core pc is going but then we'll also talk about where we think core cpi is going just to cover all basis here in case they decide that you know, maybe Maybe that gap is, is too large, and, and in fact, they do care about it. Um, but do you want to just uh, lay out for us before we start getting into the nitty gritty? I want to make sure uh, people who are listening uh, get the view up front. Where do you see uh, core PC going over the next couple of quarters uh, in your forecast?
1: Yeah, so, so we look for a little bit of a pickup here. Um, so, as I mentioned, core PC has been running about 2%. Uh, across the second half of last year, we think it's going to pick up a little bit to about 2.2% in the first half of this year. So still pretty close to target. Uh, you know, it is a little bit firmer than where it's been. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that this is, these are numbers that the Fed probably is going to be pretty happy with it. Um, and then the CPI numbers, we look for kind of a clearer moderation. So I mentioned we're kind of running above 3%. Uh, we think that's going to step down to about 3% in an annualized rate in the first quarter and then step down to around 2.6% at an annualized rate in the second quarter um, of this year. And you know, I think there's a lot of moving parts here. I don't know if we're going to get through all of them, um, but just you know, some, of, some of the areas where we have maybe the clearest visibility, um, one is on the rent side because we do have these alternative measures of rent that we track. And most of them or all of them are pointing to moderation ahead. Um, so we do think that rent is going to be cooling off here. Uh, we also think that used vehicle prices are going to be dropping based on some of the industry figures that we have. Uh, and both of these components have a, a larger weight in the, um, in the CPI measures than the PCE measures. So that's that's part of the reason why we expect this gap to narrow, um, that we're having uh, more of a drag from, from rent and more of a drag from used vehicle prices on CPI than PCE. Um, so that's, you know, a, a big chunk of the story here about why why this gap is, well why it has persisted and why we think that's going to narrow going forward and also why we expect, uh, you know, somewhat different trajectories as we think about the, the first half of this year.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, as I was looking at your note and, you know, you published quite detailed um, table here with all the items and how you see the trajectory uh, between now and June, uh, it strikes me, you know, as you say, a lot of that, that disinflation is coming from from rent and, you know, there's a fair bit coming from used car prices. But if we look beyond those those two items, uh, both within goods, if you look at other core goods and within services, other core services, so uh, sort of super core, if you like, those are kind of either moving higher or coming down much less um, than the overall core. So do you want to just talk us through these sort of stickier parts of the basket and to what extent you think they will matter? The fact that those aren't really moderating in the same way um, as these other items that you that you mentioned.
1: Sure. So, so core goods uh, has been pretty weak uh, lately. Um, and I think a lot of that is a supply chain story or kind of this imbalance of supply and demand that we saw throughout much of the pandemic. So in I kind of first stage or early years of the pandemic, we had a big shift of demand into goods and a lot of disruption on supply side. And we had you know, really boomy core goods prices uh, across, you know, including vehicles, but also across many other areas as well. And there's been a pretty big unwinding of that um, in more recent years. Um, and we saw as a result of that, we saw core goods prices drop. Um, we think that unwinding is you know, largely behind us. And we could see, you know, as you mentioned, kind of a moderation in the pace of decline or a flattening out in, in core goods prices. Um, and I guess maybe complicating that or adding to that is we have some new shipping disruptions, uh, taking place in, in some parts of the world, you know, that's not a huge factor in terms of our forecast right now, but I think it, it, you know, shifts the risks and the risks would be more to the upside, um, if these do become more significant. So yeah, I think we're feeling pretty good that the, you know, the big drops in goods prices we've seen recently are not going to be sustained. Um, it's just a question of kind of do we flatten out or do we sort of move higher in a more material way going forward? Um, but I think we are going to see you know a shift in, in the goods prices relative to where we've been. And then on the. Yeah,
0: yeah before we jump to the services, I mean, on this um, other core goods, I can see that your forecast has it going from negative 3.4 percent. Uh, annualized in the three months to December to zero, and then you're kind of holding it at zero. Um, so there's no, I suppose there's no significant, you're kind of returning to the pre-pandemic norm, more or less. Um, and I suppose the question is how much of an upside risk we could get from from these other factors that you mentioned. I mean, just to remind our listeners at the global level, we had estimated that um, 150% increase in container shipping costs that we've seen over the, the past two months or so could add something like 0.3 percentage points to overall core inflation and 0.7 to core goods inflation. Now, again, that might vary across regions and maybe for the U.S. it's, it's not as significant, but it feels like there's a broader trend, certainly pushing things higher here, recovery in manufacturing. We've got the You know, China deflation pressure is coming to an end. We've got the rise in shipping costs. Some of these are interconnected, obviously. Mm. Um, But it feels like, to me, looking at our um, bottom-up forecast at the country level, that that risk is perhaps not incorporated in our forecast. It's something that Powell noted as well, right? I mean, they're they're watching this and noting specifically that that disinflation is unlikely to persist. So I guess it's just a question of how much uh, higher... Uh, do we get from here? But so that's going away. And that basically, the fact that core goods uh, inflation is no longer going down, but is actually going up and could even go up a bit more than we're forecasting, that places a lot of, um, you know, pressure on the services side to keep moderating, right? And and yeah. there, you know, on the rental side, I can see all these um, selected rent measures that, that you published, and they're, you know, b- broadly pointing down, But there, too, I guess we've been a little bit surprised to the upside. But let's put that aside and focus on uh, the other uh, components within services. And I suspect those will be quite important for evaluating the underlying trends. So where do you see super core uh, inflation going?
1: Yeah, so there's, you know, like all these components, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, Some of them, like some of the travel related things have been uh, weak lately. And and we may see some pickup or at least kind of the end of that those declines. Um, so we could get a little bit of a pickup in some areas, um, but more broadly speaking across categories and more broadly kind of across time, we do expect to see moderation in the super core. And it, it goes back in part or in large part to what we mentioned before, and that we anticipate uh, weakening in the labor market. And, you know, when we model these things, the models are all imperfect and there's always a lot of uncertainty, but I think something that we always fall back on and that many others you know, believe in is this relationship between the labor market and inflation, uh, particularly on the services side, with the idea that when the labor market is strong, when wages are firm or wage growth is firm, that passes through into higher uh, prices, particularly higher inflation, particularly on the services side. And you know, there certainly is evidence to back that up. Although, again, you know, as we kind of map these things out, there's a lot of variation over time and you know, different ways you can estimate this. But if we're right that the unemployment rate is going to be drifting up over time and wage growth is going to continue to moderate, um, I think that's going to be a, a drag on on Supercore and on inflation more broadly. And that's, you know, that's what we expect uh, in our forecast moving forward.
0: Yeah. So that's a really interesting one because I think there's a lot of um, ifs there, right? In terms of what we're seeing right now, we're not seeing any of those things. We're actually seeing a labor market that's that's doing really well perhaps better uh than anticipated and you know the certainly the direction of revisions to the us forecast has been one in which we've been upping our forecast for payrolls uh we just perhaps ha- haven't seen the moderation Um, occurring as quickly or in as pronounced way as as we had anticipated. So first and foremost, the labor market needs to weaken and we're not really seeing that happen. And second of all, we we have to assume that the relationship um, here between uh, the labor market uh, and inflation holds, right? Like we had raised this idea that, you know, if the Phillips curve is flat, then, you know, it could be that even significant weakening in the labor market might not get inflation down substantially. So a lot of things have to go right here. Um, in a way. Uh, so, yeah, uh, how, how do you feel about all those uncertainties?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that this this also goes back to what you're talking about at the beginning and how Powell's talking about being happy with inflation and that, yeah, I think you're right that the, the labor market has surprised favorably when we think about job growth and we think about the unemployment rate, but wages have come down. So, you know, this goes back to, you know, is this time different? Are we seeing something unusual? And, and the uncertainty here, right? So when we talk about the relationship between the unemployment rate and inflation you know it's not like we can know exactly what inflation is going to be if we knew the unemployment rate so um i think we'd be feeling more confident and i guess confident is a word that's probably going to come up a lot given how Powell mentioned it you know we'd be feeling more confident that inflation is going to keep moderating over time and stay close to target uh if we see that weakening in the labor market if we see the unemployment rate move up um mm. but it's certainly not a you know definitive requirement um just Based in part on what we've seen recently and that we've seen most measures of wage growth cool, you know, they're, they're not weak, but they're cooling, um, even though we haven't really seen meaningful deterioration in the labor market. So, you know, can that continue? Um, we'll need to see. Um, it would be a bit unusual for it to continue, but I definitely wouldn't want to rule it out completely.
0: Yeah, why don't we just uh, give some idea to our listeners of uh, some of the markers on uh, on these indicators? So for wage growth, as you're saying, there's been some moderation, but we're not really getting um, a clear signal that wage inflation is clearly moving below sort of a four percent rate. I mean, what's what's generally the the rate of wage inflation that the, you know the Fed would need to see to to feel that it's running consistent with the inflation target?
1: Yeah, I don't know if they have a, a clear number in mind. Uh, I think they kind of get different signals across different measures. Um, you know, certainly directionally, they want to see things kind of cool off, um, and I think we're seeing that. And the, the employment cost index is a measure that they, um, you know, have noted in the past as being particularly influential in terms of their, um, you know, their decision making. And it ran three and a half percent in the fourth quarter of last year um, at an annualized rate and over four percent. Uh, for the year on a whole last year so if you know we kind of four percent might be too high but three and a half getting down in three might be something that they're happier with um Mm -hmm. so we'll need to you know kind of track these measures but if we look at things like unit labor costs and unit labor costs have been i think softer recently average hourly earnings have been firmer so you know it's there's getting different signals across different measures but broadly speaking i think we're seeing moderation here
0: All right. And then uh, I guess we won't have time to go into the whole productivity discussion, but obviously there too, we've seen a surge over the past four quarters and that, you know, the idea was that would deliver an important disinflationary impulse if it were sustained. Uh, But there, I think Powell has conceded that, you know, it sounded like he was a little bit reluctant to extrapolate from from that acceleration. So I guess the jury is still out on a couple of these um, indicators. We'll just need to keep watching. Um, Dan, should we uh, talk a little bit about the more near term? There's um, several events coming up. We've got the upcoming CPI revisions on, on Friday, and then we've got the CPI for January next week. Do you want to give us a flavor of both of those?
1: Uh, sure. Well, we <laughs> kind of take it one step at a time, and when, as we get the revisions, that will influence our views on the, the yeah. report that we get next week. Um, yeah, I think the revisions, maybe just to step back and set the stage a little bit, we're getting two sets of revisions. So one is an update to the seasonal factors, um, which is going to allow the BLS to incorporate another full year of data, so the figures for 2023. And then we're also getting an update to the uh, relative importance weights. Um, which are based on past spending patterns. And in the past, um, I guess, particularly last year, which is on many people's minds, these revisions have been uh, or were significant and kind of did alter the recent trajectory for inflation. Um, The work we've done on this, uh, which we've written notes about, so I won't get into all the details here, Mm -hmm. suggests that these aren't going to be big issues this year um, when we get the numbers on Friday. So, yeah, I think this is an uncertainty and maybe things will change, but this is not a, you know, major event that we're expecting um, to really alter the feds thinking um, going forward. And then, you know, as we think about next week's report, again, there's, we're still kind of working through the details and we'll get this news on Friday, but I think we are going to see sort of the themes we've been talking about where we're going to, we're expecting to see moderation in rental inflation weakness on vehicle prices um, and sort of some mixed news across the other categories. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of have those numbers later in the week once we get more information, but I think broadly speaking, you know, next month should be a similar month to what we expect over the next few months.
0: Yeah, so I can see from our, and I'm, I'm not going to hold you to this because I know you might still make changes, but as of, as of today, we've got a zero to five month-on-month seasonally adjusted for core uh, CPI for, uh, for January, and um, over a year ago, rate would come down to 3.7 from 3.9. And we get, um, I suppose, a broadly stable three-month run rate around 3.4. So I, I guess it'll take a few more months for uh, that three-month run rate to start coming down. Uh, but yes, it does eventually come down to about 2.7 Um, in your forecast. I guess I wanted to maybe end on a question related to... Uh, You've got the forecast for core PC, core CPI. What are what do you think the sort of comfort zones are for these indicators for the Fed to start easing? I mean, as I mentioned, there's a school of thought that says that the Fed doesn't even need to see any further progress on any of these things. And actually, just with the readings we have, as long as they're sustained, they're kind of cu- quite comfortable to start cutting um, in May or June, you know, somewhere around that time. What's your sense for... Was the sort of comfort zone for the Fed on, on these core inflation measures?
1: Yeah, so I think the, the comfort zone is going to be in part based on realized inflation and in part based on expected inflation. So, yeah, I think we could be seeing year ago rates on the core, core PCE cross below two and a half percent in the next couple of months. And I think that would be something they're pretty happy with. Um, and again, we're talking about sequential quarter on quarter growth rates, mm-hmm. you know, close to basically At two percent recently and probably staying close to two percent you know in the coming quarters so i think that would be something they're they're content with and feeling comfortable with but you know obviously the question is where's inflation going and if they feel like you know we had inflation at two percent for two quarters or three quarters or four quarters or even 20 quarters but they think inflation is going to firm going forward for whatever reason you know that's something that they're they're not going to be as happy with and if they think we're running two percent and likely to stay at two percent for the next few quarters next few years that's going to be a situation they're a lot happier with so you know i I think there's we got to keep all these details in mind but i think if the numbers play out like we expect i think that the you know the tone could be changing soon and that they're you Mm -hmm. know they're already feeling confident i think they're gonna be feeling more confident that they're getting things right uh you know relatively soon we're talking about months not not quarters
0: Yeah, I mean, I can certainly see if we get our forecast by the second quarter, the Fed will be easing for sure. I think there's not too much controversy or doubt around that. I I guess when I look at the forecast for the next couple of months, it feels like, you know, as you have in the forecast core CPI, inflation will be still pretty firm, right? Above, just above three or around three. And core PC inflation, it's coming from a low level, but it's actually going to be re-accelerating a little bit. Add to that a very strong job market for the next couple of months, it might feel like just from observing everything from the outside that, you know, there's some questions around whether things are a bit too hot. Do you, do you kind of foresee that that scenario may be raising some doubts about whether we can get down?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always we- uncertainty here. So yeah, we never want to say we know exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. I mean, the, the, the CPI numbers, I think they've been... Dismissive of them, and I, I, that may change. Right. But based on the most recent round of communication, it doesn't seem like that's the case. And then, you know, the shift from two percent to say two point two percent on a Q on Q basis—I don't know if it matters that mm-hmm. much. Um, I think you never want to get kind of too tied down in the month-to-month and quarter-to-quarter changes. And you have already seen two quarters at two percent, and that you know probably isn't enough for them because I think they're looking at year-year ago rates, and so. You know, the year-on-year figures should be moving down, even if we get the sequential pickup in the quarterly rates. So you can kind of pick and choose what you're looking at, but I think the broad story is going to be one of moderation and you know, something that they're uh, they're generally happy with.
0: Yeah, and we didn't get that much into some of these items that are going to be pushing the PC uh, core PC a little bit higher, right? There's um, the financial services, the healthcare insurance, all these things. Um, but then, I guess if you look at the super core PC, I don't see your forecast. That's presumably staying fairly stable. Um, yeah, you, you have and, kind of
1: mixed trajectories here. So, in yeah. the near term, you're going to get, well, we'll see, but you, you could get some firming in financial services, could get some firming in uh, medical care. Again, the kind of travel related things could pick up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if we, well, as we step out further in time, we have much less visibility in all these things. Um, so, you know, we're going to kind of fall back on the labor market and say what's going on in the labor market and what does that mean for, for super core inflation?
0: All right, perfect. So it, it feels like, yes, if we get this forecast fed, we'll be on track to ease, uh, just, uh, to clarify the base cases for June, but we're feeling that there's a decent chance of May, right?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, March mm-hmm. is too soon, but, but, um, yeah. May or June seem possible. And then June is our call right now.
0: Okay, perfect. Thanks very much, Dan. Thank you to our listeners as well for tuning into the Global Data Pod. We look forward to continuing the conversation on the next episode.